Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached by me, the Reverend Mike Angel, Rector of Holy Communion, on the seventh Sunday of Easter, May 16th, 2021. In the name of the one holy and living God, amen. Amen. We find ourselves in a strange moment. The ordinary has been disrupted. Thursday was a big day in the life of the church. It was the Feast of the Ascension. And you're forgiven if you missed it. We had a tiny little service here on Wednesday, the first in the building with a group of people since March of last year. We marked Ascension Eve. But that's all we did really to mark it at Holy Communion. The seventh Sunday of Easter, it always follows Ascension Day. And we spend the last 10 days of Easter in this strange in-between space. After Jesus has been taken up, and before the Holy Spirit comes down. And this strangeness explains our reading a little bit this morning. It, it's these strange readings. Peter's leading the disciples in Acts, asking, what is next? Or maybe more accurately, who's next? And they choose Matthias to take the pl- a place among the twelve. And you have to imagine in this gospel that we read a little bit differently today. And the disciples are not hearing from Jesus directly. Jesus hasn't come back down to pray this prayer. Instead, the gospel today, for the original disciples, it's like it is for us each week. The disciples are remembering what Jesus said, what he stood for, what he meant for them. And today is also a strange Sunday Because we, like those disciples between Ascension and Pentecost, between Jesus going up and the Spirit coming down, we find ourselves at the threshold of something new. We held our first indoor Sunday service since March of 2020 this morning. We are, once again, working to reinvent church for, I think, about the fourth or fifth time since the start of the pandemic. And soon, we'll invite you to join us here at 10.30. And I gotta say, Thursday was also strange, beyond the reading of the story of Jesus' ascension, because on Thursday, the Center for Disease Control declared that vaccinated people basically don't need to worry about masks anymore. Thursday was disruptive. Thursday upset some folks. And the CDC certainly made me wonder. We just spent all this time and energy figuring out a set of new practices for the church that will allow us to welcome people into the building, and those practices will definitely involve wearing masks. We will mask for quite a while at church, but we find ourselves in this strange in-between space, I've shared this with you before, that Jesus' followers are known for their strange spaces. We know the in-between. Flannery O'Connor, the great Gothic Southern mystic, once misquoted Jesus, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you odd. Shall make you odd. 
we know something about how to inhabit strangeness in the church. And friends, these next days and weeks and months, they're going to be a little strange, a little odd. We just surveyed the whole parish, and while the sample size doesn't let me say anything about what our city, our county, our country are feeling, it did tell me quite a bit about what our church is feeling. We are all over the map. We have folks who are just done with the pandemic and want the church to have a full choir and nursery and potluck suppers, and they want it all yesterday. And they're afraid that we're losing steam. We also have some folks who are still afraid to move. They're not sure it is time for us to start worshiping in person. They're definitely sure we need significant protections in place. We have folks saying, you'll have to pry this mask off my face. So let me say, I identify with both of these positions. And I don't say that like some sort of politician trying to please everyone. I don't. I kind of wonder what would have happened if we had sent out the survey twice and asked people to take it twice, just space it out by a few hours, read some news stories in between if there wouldn't have been people who swapped sides, if someone who said we are moving too fast would say we would need to move faster or vice versa. These days are difficult to navigate, navigate even our own emotions. It's hard to know exactly what the right response or exactly what to do. It's tempting to retreat into fear. But friends, there's a reason that every time an angel appears in Scripture, the first words they say are, fear not. Fear not. Living in fear has a tendency to harden the soul. Too much of our world is living in fear. Fear of the other. Fear of the political other. Fear of the racial other. Fear of the immigrant. Fear of the Palestinian. Fear hardens us and makes growth and health and life together impossible. And so today with Peter, I want to ask you to challenge fear. I want to invite you to take a brave next step. Peter finds himself among the disciples trying to sort out what is next. He says, we're down to 11. We know we need 12 I know we're not quite ready for everything that is to come. I know that we are here in the city waiting, like Jesus told us, biding time. The world that is to come, the power of the Holy Spirit that coming down from high, it's still coming. But even in this strange in-between, we can act. Even now, we can take one brave step. Friends, I want to invite you today to take a brave step, just the next brave step. For some of us, for some of us, that means coming to church in person. Notice I didn't say for everybody, we are going to take this slow. We've published our summer guidelines this week, and the CDC announcement doesn't change them. But we will all have the options to worship online and indoors. And once a month, we will have outdoor worship as well in the park. In all of the spaces, we're going to keep things pretty simple and as safe as possible. We will open the windows. 
even when it's noisy or hot and muggy outside, even when bugs fly in the church, it's going to be a little bit of a zoo in here. But we're going to keep those windows open. We'll wear masks, even if out in the stores and restaurants they're no longer required. We will have a lot of people, including kids, that still can't be vaccinated. We're going to keep them safe. For a while, we're going to keep things short here, limit our time. But for some of us, coming to church in person might be a next brave step away from fear. For some of us, the next brave step might be getting vaccinated. I know we have a few folks for whom the vaccine is still scary. I want to encourage you, take the brave step, really. If I'm being honest, I think getting more people vaccinated was behind the CDC decision. They want to incentivize people to be brave and to get immunity. I don't think this is partisan. One of the side effects of getting the vaccine so far hasn't been shown to be changing your political party affiliation. But I know that there are folks who are still hesitant. If that's you, your next brave step might be getting a vaccination. If you live with someone or love someone or work with someone who is eligible for a vaccine and hasn't gotten it, your next brave step might be having a conversation, telling them how badly you want them to get the shots, how their life and their health matters to you. In this strange space, we are all invited just to take the next brave step. Before I finish, I want to turn to the words of Howard Thurman. Thurman was the dean of chapel at Boston University when Dr. King was a student there. He became a mentor to King and to many in the civil rights movement. He has lately been called the mystic of the civil rights movement. Thurman's little book, Jesus and the Disinherited, is a powerful text. They say that Dr. King carried it around with him wherever he went carried it right next to his Bible. And the book is worthwhile for anyone who seeks to follow Jesus and who cares about racism and discrimination. Though it was written 70 years ago, it is surprisingly still relevant today, in some ways painfully relevant. Not enough has changed for black people in this country. Not enough has changed. But today, as I wrap up this sermon, I want to share some words from Thurman about fear. Thurman's central question in Jesus and the Disinherited is this. What does Jesus have to say to the person with their back against the wall? What does Jesus have to say to the disinherited, to the oppressed? Turns out Jesus has a lot to say. Thurman tells us Jesus was principally concerned with those who are on the underside of oppression. And he dedicates a whole chapter to fear. Fear robs us, Thurman says. Fear robs us of reality. Fear robs us of the truth that we and our neighbor are created in the image and likeness of God. Fear takes our humanity from us. It takes it away. And the central message of the gospel, according to Thurman, is this. You don't have to live from a place of fear. Jesus wants us to live free from our fears. Jesus wants us to live from a place of blessed assurance. This isn't about recklessness. 
It's not about throwing reasonable caution to the wind. Indeed, Thurman knows how cautious black people and the oppressed have to be in America. How parents have to teach their children how to act around the police, as we heard last week from Debbie Nelson Link. How black people have to behave in society, society not to be perceived as a threat. But Thurman says, too much fear, unhealthy fear, it robs you of God-given potential. We're having a hard time gauging fear right now. So many of us have spent so much time afraid. Our gauges have broken. They say once you are fully vaccinated, it's far more likely statistically that you will die in a car crash than that you will die of the coronavirus. See, we're used to assuming the risk of traveling in a car. The coronavirus remains novel. We're still unsure how to gauge the threat. Fear is a disease, Howard Thurman, the mystic, says. And you have to get vaccinated. You have to get inoculated by learning to trust, by trusting that in God, that whatever the world tells you, you are beloved. You are deserving of a full life. And you know what? Your neighbor, your neighbor is deserving of a full life as well. Even your neighbor who disagrees with you, even your neighbor who votes for the other side, we are, all of us, beloved. We have to take small, brave steps toward one another. Today, the followers of Jesus remember his words. They do not belong to this world. We are God's. We belong together to God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, but we sure are good at separating ourselves from one another. It's time to take the next brave step, to come closer together, strangely while still keeping six feet apart in most scenarios. Don't get me wrong. But it's time to take a step a little spiritually closer in these strange days where we find ourselves in these strange days, I want to invite you, for the sake of Jesus, be brave. Take the next brave step. For all of the doctors and nurses and frontline workers that have been out there taking brave steps ahead of us, thank you. Keep up the good courage. For the sake of your neighbor, be slow to judge. Take your brave steps graciously. Make room for patience. Make room for difference. Be slow to judge even the folks who are suddenly maskless. Be slow to judge even the folks who are clinging to their masks. Make room for going slow. Brave steps have to be small for the more anxious among us. But in these strange in-between times when we find ourselves, can we take a brave step a step that draws us closer together? Can we take a brave step together that takes us further, further down the road toward the beloved community of God? Amen.